My job is from the bottom up. Mm-hmm. My job is to support those who work for me, who support their team. And when they succeed, we all succeed. Um, I've seen too many models where the leader at the top of the pyramid, when the success is had, he or she, yes, I, I slash we succeeded as opposed to if I'm lifting everybody else up, their success trickles down to me as opposed mm-hmm. to trying to push it down to them. Welcome to Impractically Perfect. In a world where everyone's fighting to be flawless, we bring you the inspiring stories of accomplished performers. I'm your host, sports psychologist, Dr. Casey Cooper. Learn the secrets to their success from the best in the world of sports, art, theater, and business. Their stories will inspire you to find your personal best. Life's better when we realize we're all a little impractically perfect. Do with the lighting design concept are putting together one of the longest running live shows in Disney history. My guest today has mastered the role of developing Disney caliber talent from around the globe. Please welcome to Impractically Perfect, the Vice President of Talent at Disneyland Parks, Matt Conover. Hi, Casey. How are you? Very, very well. Thank you so much. I wanted to start with a question about this topic because you were one of the first people I shared this podcast with to get your perspective. And you you said, you know what, this is this is temporary, contemporary, this needs to be discussed. And I, I just wanted to start with what prompted you to connect with perfectionism in that way? What are you seeing that led you to believe that? Um, I think I'm seeing it in, in a lot of different ways. I, I see it in uh, the younger people that are part of my team that are joining my team that uh, in some cases don't demonstrate that sort of quest for perfectionism, but there are clearly a class of, uh, of them. It feels like they're in their own high school class or their own college class that are all striving not against each other, but somewhat competing with each other, even though there's no real competition. And, and I, I see that and want to try to diffuse it in a way that uh, you know, I really try to preach the success of the whole, not the success of the individual, which it doesn't always defeat perfectionism because everybody is trying to work towards a perfect product, whatever that product is. But I think trying to diffuse it from the individual hopefully can, can uh, settle some of that. I see, so getting people to think of the collective rather than the individual. Do you credit your background in theater in high school with that type of mentality? Where does that stem from for you? Oh, I, I, I think it's, it's absolutely started in high school theater and continued in college theater. And as I've been doing it for almost 30 years with the Disney company, uh, that is, that's what I love about it. When people say, you know, do you like your job? I love my job. It's what I get up to go to do every, every day. Doesn't mean it's not hard. Doesn't mean there aren't challenging situations. Had lots of challenging situations in the past 48 hours, but the resolution to those challenges was five or six people getting around a table and solving a problem. That collaboration, and especially in a role like I'm in today, where uh, often people look to me to actually make a decision. You're the vice president, you're going to make a decision. And I strive so much to say, let the decision can come from the group or the collective, and my role is to validate and guide and steer. I could make every decision, but then that's not going to allow them them to grow. Right. Really fostering that from a top-down approach, but really leveling that playing field in that way. Or, yeah. at, 
or as we've, we've talked before, even I try never, or not never, I try rarely to talk about the top down as opposed to the, my job is from the bottom up. Mm-hmm. My job is to support those who work for me, who support their team. And when they succeed, we all succeed. Um, I've seen too many models where the leader at the top of the pyramid, when the success is had, he or she, yes, I, I slash we succeeded as opposed to if I'm lifting everybody else up, their success trickles down to me as opposed mm. to trying to push it down to them. You know, I, I appreciate that visual very much, and I'm sure that will resonate with the listeners. And I'm wondering what might be so different and challenging for this generation of young people to connect with that, because they are, as you said, they're so competitive with one another. Um, a lot of what I hear in the office is a perception of fewer opportunities for this generation, when in fact, it actually feels probably to folks like us, like there's even more. So what do you think's going on? Well, I think uh, I think that there's this interesting combination of specialization, which often can appear to limit opportunity. Right. In my in my field, I, I regularly am coaching younger team members or newer team members to experience multiple parts of the business laterally. Um, and that may mean taking an assignment in something that you never thought you'd be good at. Or, But if I, as a leader, came to you and said, hey, Casey, I know you're really great at doing lighting, but hey, I'd like you to come over here and lead this costuming team. And your first reaction is, I don't do costuming. I'm a lighting person. And, I don't so. <laughs> and, and what I will tell you is I, as your leader, see you as a leader of live entertainment people. And I know you can make a difference in that organization. And the reality is for you to go over and run that costuming team or move into entertainment operations will broaden your experience. Breaking down that specialty barrier because what I find is when there is that specialty barrier, that ladder mm-hmm. narrows very quickly. There are only so many opportunities within a specialty. Whereas if you broaden your experience, I think those opportunities for, for uh, succession uh, probably open up. Yeah, that's a wonderful model. And it's, it's so much a part of many of the opportunities that I've become aware of within your larger organization. Um, and it's, it's almost like humility is built into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to humble you and yet build you up at the same time. Is that part of the intent? Yeah, it's, it's trying to make you recognize what you don't know. And at the same time, giving you the confidence that I, as your leader, believe in you and believe that uh, I'm not going to pick you up and say, hey, come over and run this part of the organization to see you fail. That, that's not in my interest, nor in your interest, and hoping that that individual recognizes that. I've had a number of situations where I have you know, called up individuals. I called up one woman one time on vacation to give her an opportunity, and her first reaction to me was, oh, I, I, I can't do that. I'm not ready to do that. And I said, Chris, you are ready to do that. I believe in you. I know you can do that. And she finished her vacation and came back and <laughs> carefully stepped into the role. But <laughs> sometimes you have to open people's eyes to something they might not consider. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm curious because when most people think of the brand that you're working with, the, the Disney brand, they think of, you know, it's sparkly, it's clean, it's magical, it transports you. 
And so they think of it almost as close to perfection as um, an entertainment, um, as a park experience is going to be. So have you noticed a need to speak to the perfectionism within the organization with these younger people? Or is it something that um, is still that, you know, hasn't permeated the park yet? Well, I think it's I think it's differentiating between perfectionism and excellence, right? You're able to strive for excellence in everything that you do without being perfect, without having every T dotted with every I crossed. It is that uh, that pursuit of quality, that pursuit of uh, excellence, frankly, that that allows people to succeed at something without you know, if every light didn't work on that stage, that's perfectly fine because the overall was excellent enough. And uh, the other filter is while we never want to say, well, I see it, the guest isn't going to see that, so it's fine. Mm. Well, you know, it's that fine filter that says we don't want to settle. It's that balance between settling but not driving yourself nuts, striving for perfection, right? It's the balance. Oh, that's, and it's so poignant coming from you, because given your level of experience and expertise, I, 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 I honestly think that younger people truly believe more now so than ever before, that a pursuit of perfection is going to get you closer to some type of an ideal personal best standard. When in fact, you and I both know that really is a setup for failure. And that's very difficult for them to connect with. And we're both parents of younger people as well. Have you noticed that it's kind of like, sometimes it's like, oh, it's so frustrating. You know, you want these younger people to make that connection. I mean, have you, have you seen that at home as well without getting into specifics? I, I yeah, no, no, it's, it's fine. I absolutely see it. And, and uh, in, a, in a great way, also seeing the evolution where, you know, a child might be really driven in that clearly perfectionist or really focused on success way, not success in a like overall success, but really focused mm. and and loosen up, right? Kind of kind of step back from it. I mean, just as they get into college, just as they, you know, get into the real world. And I think in my case, my experience, it's because I think they start to see the world around them in a in a in a more broad way mm. and recognize, at least in my case, that that's not required, that that's not what is going to either make themselves happy or the result happen that they want to have happen. Right. I try to explain that so often to these high school students that this path to advancement, whether it's traditional college or a work related path, that it's got to be uniquely theirs as opposed to some type of, you know, very specific formula model that they think it has to be. Um, and, you know, exploring community colleges, exploring work opportunities, um, and it's just it's really sad sometimes to see folks limit their options because of some perceived formula. Well, and, you know, I, I remember back in the day when leaders and people would come and say, OK, so what's your five year plan? What where do you want to see yourself in five years? Where do you want to be? And I, I never really developed that. I I saw everything as more of an opportunity. And it it wasn't that I wasn't interested in success, but I think sometimes when we set out a five-year plan that says, in five years, I want to be the vice president of entertainment or whatever that goal is, often we're going to set something not really achievable, potentially, 
and thus frustrating, mm -hmm. um, but also uh, limiting our vision to opportunity. Yeah. You know, back to the earlier conversation, if I set my sight on that's the job I want or that's the place I want to be, mm -hmm. well, what am I not looking at over here that could be something I never even thought I would like? I just, I, I, I really try to, when I'm coaching and mentoring uh, newer team members, I, I always talk to them about keep your options open. Be really thoughtful before you say no to an opportunity, even if it's scary, even if it's nothing you ever thought of, really be open to it. There are certainly times you're going to say no, but be really thoughtful. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense because it's almost like if you're too perfectionistic, you're risk aversive because then it's like a concern. Like if I can't picture myself, you know, achieving that outcome goal the way I know it's going to make me feel good about myself, I don't even want to attempt. Right. Why, why, why try if I know, if I really don't believe I can succeed? Right. And, and that, that fear holds them back from reaching their potential more than they could ever possibly imagine. And what's, so what's fascinating is in many of the, the younger people that I see and work with and, and try to assess this on, maybe different than other generations where the fear was in others' perception of them. Like, I don't want to do that because people will think I'm a fool or think something this of me or that of me. Whereas now often it is about themselves and thinking about themselves. They, they don't really care what anybody else thinks about them, but it is this pressure on themselves to be successful. And hopefully us as parents and we as leaders and people in the world are, are dispelling that and trying to, trying to not have it happen. No, you're absolutely correct, and the data supports that. I don't know if you're aware of this, Matt, but the most recent data on this generation of young adults is that they're 33% more perfectionistic from a socially prescribed perspective, meaning that they've adopted it as opposed to authority figures placing it upon them, whether that be a significant member like a parent or a teacher or another mentor. This generation, it's you know, self-imposed, and, and we could theorize lots of reasons as to why. Um, <laughs> a lot of it comes down to this, right? But, you know, you're, you're spot on with that analysis um, from, from the workplace. Well, and how we, how we try to just br break that, right? Even in the one-on-one -on -one situations, whether you're dealing with a student or another child or your child and me the same way, how do we, uh, in, in the safest way possible, dispel that? I wanted to give you an opportunity to share about any of the exciting projects that you have going on that listeners should be aware of if they're interested in pursuing some opportunities or things that are, you're involved in with the community that you would like to highlight for us. Yeah, I think uh, the, the things that, that are most important to me that really uh, I'm focused on, it is, it is the 90th anniversary of Mickey Mouse's debut. So at the parks, we're celebrating a lot of different things with a, a new nighttime spectacle opening next week. So I'll be working overnights for the next seven days, uh, making sure we get that ready. So uh, there's no better time to be at the Disneyland Park than after hours. It is a, it is a very special privilege. Uh, while we're working hard, it's still a special privilege. Um, I do spend a lot of my, my non-Disney time working uh, for uh, educational theater and trying really to bring to focus how theater in secondary schools specifically, not just in theater classes, but across the curriculum, 
can really uh, enhance a student's performance and opportunity to succeed. The tools that theater teaches you from collaboration to team building, to problem solving, to creativity, all of those things that it brings with it uh, really enhance and the data proves it out in terms of SAT scores and uh, other measures of future success. And I think you touched on it earlier, which is uh, one of the parts I'm working with the, the teachers down here in the Capital Unified District around the a traditional not a traditional in this community it tends to be a traditional path uh, more of the you know continu continuing education or the what used to be called trade school work right where it's that path right into work out of high school in some of these these roles and jobs that look now as professional mm -hmm. but i think there are paths to that outside of the college path the college path isn't isn't for everyone. It is a it, it, financials aside. Just the whole process is not for everyone. So how do we ensure that people who have talent, people who have passion, people who have drive, have avenues of opportunity? And so many of those start in high school when you get a program that dovetails into some of that work. So we're trying to work with uh, at least this district down here for a little bit um, to get that started. And that's wonderful. And it takes folks out in the community to support the high schools doing that, mm -hmm. right? It's got to, there's got to be a bridge to somewhere, someone supporting that. Absolutely. And, and you know, schools, as we know, are not funded necessarily as they should be. So they're just trying to basically deliver the curriculum that they have. And especially in the arts, which is uh, wholesale, not just in schools. Uh, you know, underfunded across the country. So it does take that either personal partnership or private partnership um, with those institutions and groups to, to try to make something happen. Oh, thank you so much for doing that. That is such it, an amazing it, it, The best part about it is it's fun, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a wonderful bonus, a wonderful bonus. Um, and I do want to just one last thing before we, we get into our final questions. Um, you highlighted that arts in the school isn't just about the traditional theater art program. It's about the other disciplines participating. And I have to give a shout out to my former drama teacher, my daughter's current drama teacher, Mrs. Kathy Harris, who has chosen High School Musical for their spring musical. And I know they're going to be recruiting from the athletic department. <laughs> so I love that 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 property is still uh, relevant. That that you know that teachers uh, and and audiences I've seen it all over the country uh, still are 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 connected with that. Um, it it is pretty timeless, interestingly, right? Right. Oh, absolutely. I know a lot of the kids. They're so excited because they grew up on it. Yep. So, <laughs> to them, well, and and it's it. interesting to watch these these programs. You know here in Southern Orange County and elsewhere in the in the country that I get to see because you have, you know, uh, my daughter's high school uh, did uh, Les Mis last year and this year they're doing Kiss Me Kate and oh. talk about a throwback musical Kiss Me Kate, but in the same district or the same area anyway to have Kiss Me Kate and high school musical, the breadth of opportunity for kids is just so broad. I think it's really great. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. We live in a great place. We're, we're very lucky to, to be yeah. here. 
both know that. I like to wrap up every episode with just a few questions to make sure that everyone knows that Matt Conover is just as impractically perfect as the rest of us. And by the way, thank you for your Mary Poppins photo in the background that I can see there. I saw the hats in the park that said practically perfect on it. I so desperately wanted to grab one and add an I am. So I won't do that. But my first question, what is your standing Starbucks order? What is my standing Starbucks order? It is a blonde, grande blonde coffee. And so this next one I hope is okay. But is there a ride which you no longer can tolerate the line for? (laughs) Ride I no longer can tolerate the line for. Yeah, I mean there <laughs> I would say I would say you probably have to ask it in the inverse. You know, usually the, the question is what is your favorite ride? Um, so maybe that's that is that is dovetailed with that. I, I love Soren uh now Soren over the world, used to be Soren over California. Um such an immersive truly flight experience. Um, and if uh, any of the listeners have been to Walt Disney World and been on Flight of Passage in the Pandora section of Disney's Animal Kingdom, that just takes Soren to 20 new levels. It's amazing. And I love the backstory engineering of how Soren was created by one of your Imagineers at home using some of their childhood toys. That is, just, I love that. And final question for you. End this sentence in a word that does not begin in P. Practice makes. Practice makes comfortable. Excellent. I enjoyed that one. Yeah, that's very creative. Makes comfortable. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time today and for sharing all of this wise advice with the listeners. For more information about my conversation with Matt Conover and ways to get in touch with programs at the Disneyland parks and around the world, please go to impracticallyperfect.org. I'm your host, Dr. Casey Cooper, and until we speak again, be excellent, everyone.